my name is Phil DeCruz. Welcome to Cruising with Phil. I welcome back guest, Mr. J. Jordan from Central Toronto Wrestling, right? Correct. Yeah, welcome back. Hey, hi. Hey. And you're in Barbados now, right? I am, yeah. I've moved to Barbados and actually uh, we've started, uh, we're starting a club here uh, called Central Barbados Wrestling. Oh, really? Uh, okay. The coast of Barbados, yeah. Okay, it's, so we'll uh, good. Yeah, it's a, I mean, obviously it's a passion, right? And uh, I was planning on moving here for some time during the pandemic. I certainly spent uh, quite a bit of time here. My family's from this part of the world, mm -hmm. from Guyana and uh, and actually some of them from, from Barbados as well. So it was, it was kind of a natural thing to do. Uh, I started getting involved in wrestling here and met the president of the, you know, Barbados Wrestling Association, a fellow by the name of uh, Rollins Aline. And uh, Rollins and I became good friends over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, actually, we just sent a, a Bajan athlete up to Toronto to train over Christmas, um, which is great. It's, it's uh, she, she's a tough kid. I coached her back in May at the USA Beach Open, and um, she won the junior division. She's only 15 years old, so it's pretty impressive for her to be beating these 19 and 20-year-old kids on the national team. And um, yeah, she just, she did so well. She really impressed me. So uh, Rollins and I and her coach, Yaima, kept talking about her, her uh, development and given school here, uh, school, they, they use the British system here, unlike in Canada, it sort of more reflects the American system these days, but it's very academically challenging. So, so given the amount she already travels with the national team here, Christmas was the only time she could really afford academia wise to, uh, to go to a, you know, three week training camp up in Canada. So, um, it, you know, we, we put her up at a, at a member's apartment there in Toronto and, uh, she, today's day two, she's already another level. I think she's wrestling a lot of uh, tough athletes and, uh, learning a lot, you know, and she, she is a very, very promising kid. And in fact, uh, Rollins sent, uh, you know, he likes to keep everybody at the Barbados Olympic Association and others who help fund some of these things uh, abreast of what's going on. And I did hear tell that his a letter of update he sent out to all the, uh, all the uh, you know, stakeholders and interested parties hit the prime minister's desk, Mia Motley's desk. Uh, she didn't respond, although uh, the, the VP did. So it's, it's kind of a big deal. For Rebecca Williams to be up in Toronto training and uh, hoping she brings some of that technique she learns from all the Russians, Turks, you know, Iranians up in Toronto and brings it down here to Barbados, right? So, so let's go back a bit, Jay. Uh, when I first interviewed you, you started the company. How many years you started Central Toronto Wrestling? How many years did you start the company? Oh, geez, it's been a decade now. Yeah, yeah. I think it may be over. Yeah, just about a decade. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's on the Danforth, right? It is, yeah. Danforth in uh, the Coxville area. Danforth in Greenwood. Greenwood, okay, yeah. And last time our, our yeah last interview, you ended up where you're look you had a new uh, a trainer coming from Brazil, I think, coming over. Yeah, yeah, we we had a BJJ coach. We're actually hoping to bring him over permanently, but there's a lot of paperwork, and we're sort of engaged in that right now. So uh, yeah, it's not exclusively wrestling; it's also BJJ. Uh, we find that the two sports blend quite well together. And uh, it's easier to sort of fill the mat inventory if you've got two competitive, combative sports being coached out of the same facility. We're hoping 
that uh, at first quarter, this coming calendar year, we'll have another floor as well, because uh, we're starting to sort of max out our space and our mat inventory. So, What's that, sorry, is this in Toronto you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, we actually have a location here in Barbados, but I'm shipping, still involved in shipping the mats down, and the landlord is currently, uh, it's right across the street from one of the nicest beaches in, in Barbados. Uh, which is a lot of fun, but it also serves a function because as much as they have, you know, freestyle and Greco here, beach wrestling is a big deal. Um, oh, really? okay. Well, yeah, because obviously there's so many beach, uh, so much beach property in Barbados. Uh, it's all public and, um, you know, it sort of melds well with their sort of, um, you know, beach tourism mandate that the BOA and uh, the sports association sort of have um, invested heavily in. So, and beach wrestling is cool. Like the, the um, I started bringing kids down uh, here, I think last year, a year and a bit ago, two Canadian athletes who did well. And, uh, and then we brought a guy who's actually Pan champion uh, from Cuba. He's on the Cuban national team. And I'm hoping to bring him here permanently to sort of coach the kids and uh, all the uh, senior athletes and everything in between, technically. His name is Toro Blanca, Yuriski Toro Blanca. Very good uh, athlete. And uh, and actually his wife is of Bajan descent. So that's how they're sort of applying for immigration here, which is great. You ever seen, uh, when I was in the, uh, I don't know if you ever saw, you ever seen Turkish wrestling in, in, Mongo in Mongolian wrestling? When I was uh, when I was overseas in the military, I got fancy yeah. to go watch, a, watch an event just by, Coincidence? It's like an all-day yeah. event, right? It well, was big. It, yeah, and the thing is, beach you're talking about outdoor, you're talking about outdoor wrestling, right? Like stand yeah, wrestling. Well, yeah. Well, when we brought Tora Blanket down here, as much as he wrestles on the beach to train, he never competed on the beach, and he's been oh, a yeah. freestyle champion. So he won the tournament. He beat a tough American in the final, actually. Uh, the guy who's USA uh, beach national champion. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, no, he 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 loved it, and. Uh, you know, it's a great way to promote combative sport in the Caribbean because, um, you know, mats are very expensive and it's a significant barrier to entry, right? So this way, you know, you make sure you rake the sand and it's, it's a very inexpensive way to to access combative sport on the beaches, particularly wrestling. Okay. So uh, it's, it's becoming quite popular here. And, uh, you know, we're hoping to sort of with the club to be able to say, look, we can do mat wrestling here. The weather allows it to go across the street to the beach, train there. And uh, and, and the reason UWW started uh, sponsoring the beach stuff is because, as you mentioned, in Turkey and other places like India, that's where they learn how to wrestle is in the sand. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So so it's quite, uh, it's meant as a developmental tool um, and it works really well. And there's a huge beach circuit now um, that we're sending some athletes to. So, uh, and there is big sponsorship for it and stuff too. So, uh, it, it's watch, really you great. Watch, you ever watch the Indian, Indian wrestling, the, the, the video there? Sorry? You ever watch the Indian, Indian wrestlers? Are they yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was yeah. over there and I was, uh, it was my second posting there, I was in uh, just south of Bombay. There's an old school there. Actually, his son moved over here. He works at the uh, Salvation Army now by coincidence. But back then, I uh, got an opportunity to go and train with these guys, right? Yeah. These guys are, these guys are, these guys are, 
like warmongers. And then after you get you get his full body massage, you never if you never had a body massage like around a event. Yeah, yeah. if you're not used to it, you know, I mean I'm used to it by a little bit, but they take your arm, they put your arm, like put your feet. It's like, like, yeah, it's like, like a massage yeah. like just a massage, right? They, you know, like yeah, but it's so cool. But they're like intense wrestlers, like a whole like generations of spammies, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, when you did our interview back then, we are were you thinking of going to Barbados back then? Were you actually planning on it? Uh, I think so. I think so. I might not have mentioned it, but yeah, I think so. No. It, it, it was a, it was quite a logistical operation to sort of pick up and move here, just even on a personal basis. You know, uh, I still have, you know, my software business is back in Toronto and uh, as well as the wrestling club, obviously. It's uh, yeah, so a lot of Zoom meetings. Yeah. I <laughs> Your two, sons, yeah. you have your two sons uh, run the wrestling now? In yeah, yeah. And uh, and a daughter who she did wrestle a little bit. I, I think she's coming down here for Christmas, actually. Okay. But, cool. um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the whole family has been involved in the sport forever. So that's cool. Was it hard to get a, a work, like a working visa? What is it, a working visa or a training visa? Yeah, I have a work uh, stamp that they, uh, so, you know, you have to apply for it, you have to pay a processing fee. And um, then basically, you know, they, like they know they 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 ask you a lot of questions. There's a lot of paperwork, but at the end of the day, they want you know more foreigners emigrating here, starting businesses and things like that. Oh, okay. right? Do they give you any incentives or whatever? Um, you know what, Barbados is pretty tax friendly from a capital gains perspective. Personal income tax, it's 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 better than Canada, but that's not. That's not saying much. It's, getting, it's pretty horrible, right? I'm watching this uh this video in Dubai videos, you know, come to Dubai. Yeah, yeah. This guy's holding a ball yeah. of cash. You no, know, it's, it's not it's not like <laughs> that anymore. There there are um, you know, there are there are different sort of tax structures. There what there is is tax reciprocity between Barbados and, and uh, Canada. So you remit in one jurisdiction, the one you're resident in, the other one there's an agreement, right? But that doesn't really impact me until some future point. Like my companies are still at home, I'm still paying Canadian tax. And you're talking about the the the, uh, the schools of the old the old British school, right? Yeah, this is the thing. The education system here very much reflects the British education system yeah. that exists elsewhere in the Caribbean, and they never let go. And you tell me, uh, I know what the British because my nephews and nieces were living in Grenada, so they follow the British rule. Yeah, so yeah. You just explain briefly what the difference between uh, our system compared to the British system. I think ours falls more the British than the Americans actually, right? Yeah, I think I think ours many years ago they started making decisions that sort of you know aligned the system more to uh, the American standards. But it's very clear that uh, academically school is very challenging here. It's very much the three R's, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic, and uh, even the uh, spelling, right? We, we like we spell we follow the old British rules. Spelling a different word, like donut and uh, Jack, you know, barely. Well, American. yeah, and I, th I think they're the school generally is. I don't think, uh, I don't think the, uh, I don't want to say anything, get in trouble, but uh, <laughs> I think, I think the woke politics of North America have yet to permeate the school system here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, they're, they're very structured. And I think, uh, you know, if you step out of line, Sir so and so, or possibly Sister Mary Tabitha, is going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> there are no sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 
there's a lot of sort of spare the rod, spoil the child uh, oh, yeah. concepts regarding education. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I just thought I had a conversation with buddy there about you know discipline systems back in our days when I was like seventies the sixty sorry seventies the kid age of myself yeah. here. I used to get these. I used to have the strap and the ears pulling and the belt like. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, talking about that right now, you don't do that. That's well, one. listen, th th this is one of the things that, like, now they put you in jail, but I'm not so sure it's <laughs> not a bad idea, right? Like, it, it's uh, kids need a firm hand, right? And not all of them, some of them are quite compliant anyway. But this is one of the reasons combative sports are great for kids because they learn to respect not just themselves, their opponent, the sport, their coach, the other coach. Like, this is one of the things that, that regarding wrestling is, is, um, it, it's lost on a lot of people. It reinforces sort of certain fundamental manners and respect. And there's a reason you shake hands at the end of the match, whether you win or you lose, and you shake the opposing yeah. co coach's hand. And and that that's a that, that's a really important uh, lesson because it, it lets the kids know, and they do it at all levels, right? Uh, the the international stuff, freestyle wrestling in Greco, or even more. Uh, and enforce it, it, it even more than, let's say, this sort of folk style stuff in the States. It's you have to shake each other's hands and the opposing coach's hand. And it's for a lot of reasons. And it crosses cultural barriers and it, it sort of imparts this deferential respect, which I think is just in our society these days, we may be missing some of it, right? Like, too much of it. I, think, I think we miss a bit of that, right? Even like in like martial arts, right? You, you know, you always bow after the match. That's crazy. yeah. It's a very similar yeah. thing, but if anything, I think in Western culture, and frankly, all over the with you all over the world, uh, it's 180 NSOs in the world for wrestling, which makes it other than football, meaning soccer, probably one of the most competitive sports in the world. And to shake hands like that with your opponent, with your opponent's coach, is a very deferential sign of respect. Right? I like you that. Like I, yeah, when I go watch wrestling yeah. on the Olympics, they all shake. Yeah, it, it's hands. an important part of it, right? It's a yeah. very intimate thing that sort of says, look, you know, maybe I didn't win or maybe I did win. And I still, you know, it's the notion of being, you know, um, uh, humble in victory and, 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 and um, you know, uh, brave in defeat. It's like in, uh, <laughs> just like in Cape Breton when I was in the military, we used to get in fights with a lot of Cape Bretoners. Not a lot, but we get a big, get in fights, row and brow, and we get started. Yeah. Shouldn't be saying too much, but <laughs> we yeah. fight, and then they get up and say, and then buddy, come buddy, buddy, let's go for a drink, man. I'm done. <laughs> go get a drink after. Yeah, well, but then, it's so funny, yeah. right? This is these days. It's kind of lost, but it's a yeah. very it's funny. You it's fight, a fundamental yeah. part of being human. It's sort of making out, making good, and saying, look, you know, like uh, if if I if I acted like a, you know, I'm not going to use the word, but if I act, <laughs> I behaved in a way I shouldn't have. Forgive me now. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's it's a, you know, it, I think too often these days, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to make sort of political commentary or sort of socio-political, you know, comments, uh, but I, I think it's a fundamental art form, not just the wrestling itself technically, but the the notion of respecting your your neighbor, your your family, your community, and you know, giving back um, by way of you know, showing that you don't, because you fought, doesn't mean you hate the person. Yeah, right? like, I, yeah, like yeah. in the military, we fought, I, I trained with guys, couldn't stand each other, like racism yeah. and all that. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's, you put your, 
when you got a job to do or something, your life's a lie, you got your money to rely on, no matter how much you hate the guy or hates you or whatever, or she or he, whatever. But it's been proven a fact that, you know, that's put aside, don't even, you know, it's not even an after effect or a thought. You just do the job and that's it. Yeah, and there's a common goal yeah, and there's a community. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's sort of like free speech, right? Like, you know, the, the, the concept, you know, wrongly attributed to Voltaire, but it was actually his biographer that said it, right? I may not agree with what you said, but I'll fight both, it. You read Voltaire? Right to say it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. It's sort of, yeah, it's a... Uh, this sort of stuff these days isn't taught often enough these days, and it shows, right? It shows, uh, you know, in their behavior. And this is one thing that I love about being in Barbados is a lot of mutual, you know, respect. Like in, I, I was at Oyston's, which is the big fish fry place. That it's also a fish fishing village on the south are coast. Are you trying to make us jealous now? Just being over there to sing this? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it was funny because it's, I was there on a Saturday night, which isn't as busy as a Friday night, but this guy taking the orders was kind of rude to this woman, yeah. and and she, you know, it's still, people are still polite enough here that the woman actually sort of said, you know, something she said to the owner or someone, a manager, she said, you know, this this young man has clearly forgotten his manners, and, you know, I thought to myself, in Toronto, you never hear that, right? And, 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 and listen, the guy was going to get browbeaten for it too by his boss, because you you know one thing you don't want to be called here is ill mannered. Right? <laughs> you just that those are like fighting words, right? Like you, you don't say that unless you really mean it. Oh, so and, the boss heard about like his boss heard that. Yeah, yeah. No, she went right to him and said, you know, this this oh. this boy here has just completely forgotten all all his manners. Oh, wow. And uh, no, and I, I think things like that are great because it, it keeps youth in check. It makes you understand that hey, there is a pecking order here. Mm -hmm. You should probably show some de deference to your senior. And uh, you know, it's a structure to society. It took us thousands of years to get here. Yeah. You know, deconstructing it overnight because of some <laughs> ideologues is not a good plan. Right? <laughs> What's the uh, the education? The British uh, system is. Uh... There's schooling is different wires too, right? Like there's seasons of schooling. Is they all also ask, do they it's, all wear it, it overlaps a, a lot, uh, but some of it differs here. I think they get out a little earlier, and they, they go have like uh, no, they get out later and go back to school later. But that has to do with the heat in the August and September are really hot, right? Okay, but do like they don't have like P eighty like we have over here, like you know. I think, yeah, not not like it, yeah. They don't have the same number of staff. <laughs> I think you know. I have a lot of. I have to be careful because I'm friends with a lot of teachers at home. And, and and listen, I I you know there are as many good ones as there are bad ones. But I'll tell you, um, yeah, this notion of education being about the uh, the workers in it uh, that doesn't exist here. It's definitely still about the kids here. Yeah, and that's oh, kind of good to see, right? Like it, it's uh, they are the focus, benefiting them, and they're so it, uh, so when you mentioned that you're talking about like strikes and rights and all that stuff with the with the workers. Yeah, I don't think I don't. I, I mean, I'm sure unions exist here, but I don't think they're as uh, powerful. Let's say I think you know if 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 in Canada we've gone too far in one direction, I think you know that would be one of those you know. I, I, again, I don't want to make this a sort of socio-political commentary, <laughs> but, but I know for a fact that a lot of our members, we, we have like 200 uh, athletes now at the gym in Toronto, 
and we're targeting like 400 by the summer. Yeah, 200 now. How much when you had when I did the interview? How much did you have back then? First interview with you? I think we had, uh, but I can't remember how many we had. Uh, it was certainly a hundred fewer, right? Yeah. But but in any event, um, at this stage, we're um, you know we're we're targeting 400 by the summer. And I will say that I, I know because I talked to the parents when I'm at home and I'm I'm in the club. Um, and I think it's the same thing here. A lot of the, the parents, um, yeah, sure, they come from cultures that are represented in Toronto and understand wrestling, but even more than that, even for a lot of Canadian parents, they like the discipline that combative sport teaches the kids. They like the fact that they're they're hungry when they go home and they're tired when they go to bed and that they're not just playing Call of Duty in the basement and bouncing off the walls after you do that shirt. Right? So they're saying, thanks for putting... Thanks for helping me put my kids to bed early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is exactly yeah. it. We all deserve a break. And when our kids are bouncing off the walls, yeah. whether, you know, it, it, it's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to parent. And uh, and so I, I know that a lot of the parents really uh, appreciate sport that way. And and the sort of values that it teaches and imparts on the kids, right? It also, teaches... I like about, uh, which, sorry, but what you mentioned about your first interview, you also... You uh you cater people's uh levels levels of income, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. It's you know, from you know, really uh beginners, complete beginners who've never wrestled, never done any combative sports, right up through to intermediate and of course high performance. Uh and our coaching staff reflects that and uh they're very cognizant of, of the levels of the athletes, right? Um so it's you know, and 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 um uh, you know, we, we're trying as much as possible to sort of, you know, we don't have a belt system per se, but we're trying to sort of implement, uh, you know, a, a more stringent uh, structure around, you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and sort of scheduling uh, accordingly. That's not the easiest uh, thing in the world to do, because when you don't have a belt driven system, it's you know, we play with different concepts and we thought of, you know, there's some, actually Rollins down here has come up with some good concepts. He's from the martial arts world. He's a, he's a boxing, kickboxing guy. But, um, but yeah, there's some good ideas that hopefully we can implement at some point. Um, but, but uh, just having that structure around, okay, so these kids go to the beginner session. These ones go to intermediate, you know, uh, th this kid's made it to the advanced level now. Uh, it's it's important stuff because we don't want kids to be demoralized. But the uh, the other thing is that in, in wrestling, it's it's rarely a, a more advanced athlete injuring a less developed one. It, it doesn't usually happen that way in in wrestling. It's it's usually the really inexperienced kid just you know just being like you know moving like Frankenstein and being a, you know just doing something really you know unexpectedly silly, right? But, uh, funny you mentioned I went to a judo competition with one of my uh, friends younger he's like maybe 18 back then this years ago and like you said about the uh bigger than the so his final competition was this older guy he was in his 40s and he I guess he just joined judo and obviously he's older and he's stronger so he beat my friend just like that like he just pinned him like three times like it was I mean it just it wasn't even a fair competition I mean the guy's yeah, got yeah. age on him right but that's the way the system worked right like yeah, yeah. misconception of uh you know uh, weights and all weight classes and all. I was gonna ask you, um, like, what's the ever get any uh scenarios with uh different cultures like like the Olympics, the last Olympics before, uh, like say the Middle East, they had certain like certain countries or cultures will not compete against each other because of the uh 
the differences in the uh well the, these days it's certainly at sort of olympic sponsored or you know events that are uh, that are recognized by uww it's not tolerated you typically get turfed from the tournament if you refuse you know if you're uh you know a palestinian who refuses to shake hands with an israeli athlete or any of that mm -hmm. sort of stuff you get kicked out right so, kicked out, yeah it's you know just and, I, and there's I'm, I'm just using that as an example like you're not supposed to bring your socio-political rivalry yeah. to the mat and and that again is, is something that i think is really important because sports meant to build bridges right not not burn them down and um it, it's you know that, that that's a theme that i think is really uh it's not just healthy it's it's fundamental it's really important um you know, in, in particular in places like Canada, like why bring these sort of old hatred, hatreds and rivalries into the room? Uh, we've had long-standing rules in our, uh, at our club that, you know, uh, there's a lot of Russian kids, there's a lot of Ukrainian kids, and you're just okay. not allowed to bring up, talk about the war. Yeah. It's a policy. And, you know, for the most part, uh, nobody in the gym is a particular, particular fan of Putin. But even if they were, right, the odd time you get some kid who, who is Russian but didn't really grow up there, um, you know, the reason his parents went to Canada is because, you know, for either opportunity and or probably some oftentimes reasons of oppression and trying to sort of flee that. So it's usually not hard, difficult to convince people, but usually it's a kid who has the wrong idea and just has some sort of um, romantic visions of moving back to Russia one day or, you know, but either way, you know, those, those socio-political things, you can't bring them into the room. It's got to be about development. It's got to be friendships and building those friendships and those experiences. And you guys can be, you become yeah. part, partners, like, you know, train together as a team and it doesn't matter your difference, right? This is the thing. Like, you can't, it, like, you're only as good as the best guy in the room. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is, you, you, you know, everybody needs to get beat up to get better. So <laughs> if you avoid, get, you know, wrestling this guy because, you know, either you think that you're, he's not worthy or you're, you know, that stuff just can't go on. It's a, it's, and it, it, it's anathema to the uh, development concept, right? Yeah, ask, you also mentioned the first one, you also teach kids with special, like special needs, autism. Yeah. I think you said uh, one of your kids has autism, maybe? Yeah, my eldest actually is autistic. Yeah, yeah, like very classically autistic. Yeah, yeah. And He's, so you train? You get a lot of kids with special needs overseas in the market. I, I wouldn't say we get a lot, but we get quite a few. You know, something you're usually higher functioning, but um, at the end of the day, my my son, my my, uh, I've got a stepson that coaches in the gym as well. But my my middle kid, who's uh, my youngest son, uh, he he coaches a lot of those kids with special needs because. You know his older brother he's grown up with him his entire life he you know he understands some of the challenges and how they sort of convey um how to communicate right it's not you know sure it's verbal but it's also like uh you know it, it's about being patient right and uh you know but listen, autistic kids need discipline as much as non-autistic kids do. It's, you know, to, 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 to just, yeah. My, uh, my niece's my niece's son, my grandnephew, they just got tested for autism, right? So he thought, we had a suspicion that because they had all the, you know, some of the uh, examples where he was working. Yeah. Like, so when he comes over here, he, she doesn't discipline at all. Like, I'm no one discipline, so she gets yeah. mad at me. I said, you got discipline. It doesn't matter if he has autism or not. That's my kid. 
you know yeah. a, no, that, not, that's right they, they yeah. all need discipline yeah. you can't yeah. you can't feel sorry for them no no i told you they all not not discipline and it's yeah. not a disease right like this is no no, no the problem she's got she's yeah. she picks them up for every little thing right it's probably yeah. you know very clinger he's, he's three and he's three and a half now but he's always clingy when he comes over here he likes to do like explore because it's a big apartment yeah. and yeah, yeah. we have a lot of we have a lot of like lights like you know the uh yeah. the uh uh, clocks with the neon lights. He loved that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So yeah. last Christmas, I got him. Like, I got him a little fire truck that had the neon lights. He pressed the button. Yeah, you know yeah. what? So he loves that. Yeah, yeah, things like that. But uh, yeah, he's like you said. You got just doesn't matter what age you got this one. I, I, and I when he's over, I just like the dog because he pulls things down. It's gonna fall on him, right? You know. It's yeah. No, it, it's that. That's a uh, that. That's key, right? And that, there's there's an old there's an old saying. Uh, you know. If God doesn't bless you with children, he'll curse you with nieces and nephews. And then, <laughs> and like, I, I really believe in I'm going to use that next time. I'm mad at them. <laughs> yeah, it takes a family, it takes a village, right, to, to yeah. raise these kids. And I think too often these days, we're letting the kids be, you know, listen, I'm a technology guy. I've been involved in software development for 30 years. I love technology, but we can't let it raise our children. Right? They need no. to socialize. They need... They need to understand how to cooperate with other people, how to compromise. Um, you know these, these types of things. Uh, you know, it's 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 just like you know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, a lawyer of mine uh, who is also a very close friend said to me the other day. You know, I'm 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 leading this client and teaching this client <laughs> the art of impossible. <laughs> She's kind of frustrated with him, but the truth is. That's a lot of what politics is. It's a lot of what business is. It's a lot of what sport is. You have to sort of, you know, believe in and learn if you don't know it. The art of the possible. And uh, is your uh, is your is your the first school in Barbados to open up a wrestling school? It, it opens mid January. Uh, like we have had some kids down here training with. Uh, there's another couple clubs, we, and I've coached a bit uh, at those clubs and on the beach. Um, as well as at the Barbados Open, but but the actual our actual club is opening mid January. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And it's here there, uh, any any from the local citizens have any feedback or any like response that you're going to be opening up in January? Yeah, I did some sort of test marketing on Facebook with some ad campaigns. It was a good response. You know, it, Barbados sort of reminds me in some ways, uh, at least uh, socioeconomically, of Canada like 40 years ago. There's a very functional economy. You go buy groceries. There's a kid packing your bag and pushing your cart out. Oh yeah, car. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, you go to the gas station. There's a kid pumping your gas, right? It, oh. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, no, it's, it's quite a, it, it, it is a very functional economy, um, and and you, you know, people are getting their kids into lots of different you know, technical sports and the country is quite uh, supportive. If they lack anything, it's because the island is so small and there's only 260,000 people here. So, you know, if you're the national champion, how do you get better? You got to get off the island, <laughs> right? You got like, how well, do you get- There's always Trinidad, right? And there's a- <laughs> but, Yeah, well, this, this is the thing, like cricket is huge here and, and uh, you know, soccer, football, right? But, um, you know, with, with smaller sports like wrestling, you really have to get them into Canada, to the U.S., to get that sort of breadth of breadth and depth of, uh, you know, competition experience. So Rollins is pretty good about setting up uh, some structures to do that, billeting athletes with families and, 
giving them competition opportunities off the island. Because uh, you, you know what you don't want to do is you say, oh, this kid's on the national team. Like, let's just drop them in at senior worlds now. Like they need, they, you know, they, they need a breadth of, of competitive experience, right? Like yeah. you can't just throw them to the wolves, right? Yeah. Have you had any interest, like from inter that like people want to send their kids internationally over to your school, like you and Yuri about it? Like, you know, I I think it's funny because they didn't really market it towards kids, but that's my intention. So I think I got a lot of would-be MMA athletes and BJJ athletes and grapplers who want to learn how to wrestle. Because wrestling, like like here, uh, and like at a home and, and other places, um, tends to be the skill set in shortest supply and highest demand for MMA, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I do want to market more to kids because that that's really the, the you know going to be the focus. I'm certainly giving the senior athletes an opportunity to train and develop, uh, and and the youth age groups, but the kids are really. You know, from a developmental perspective, it's a long-term investment, right? You need them really young. In order to be competitive in a landscape internationally that is 180 NSOs, you need to start very young. Very young. And, you know, young, young, young. Like, you know, they, the Americans get away with, like, like they, they do start young. Your Russians tend to use, like, sort of 10 years old. But what people miss about their development system is they have those kids in dance, and high-level gymnastics before they stream them into combatives or whatever else, right? So they, you know, they they maybe didn't haven't competed in a combative, but they already have all the skill sets, all the body awareness, agility, sort of things from dance and gymnastics. We tend to forget that in this hemisphere. We just go, oh, well, you know, I kids pretty fast. I'm gonna put him in, you know, athletics. Like, <laughs> just okay. so I just had a scenario. You're at, you're at a scenario. You're at a competitive. You're you're at the gym there in the mat with all these kids. And some new member starts prancing around. You're like, "Buddy, what do you think you're doing?" You're yeah. Stop the flamingo dancing. See that? Yeah. Way. Well, <laughs> people don't realize, but uh, all wrestlers can dance. It's a funny thing. They may have no rhythm, but they can dance. <laughs> it, it, it's sort of like a combative sport. I think it has to do with footwork, right? Like if you. Uh, I'll tell um, them to my, uh, you know, I'll tell them my buddy next time you go dance because my buddy, some of my friends have a rhythm, right? It's like, hey, next time yeah. you go for you, uh, do your wrestling. Next time you go dance with your girlfriend, instead of just can't dance, just wrestle with on, on, on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a funny thing, but honestly, you know, there's so much gymnastics and combative sport, like even during a warm up to, you know, cool down. They're doing gymnastics all the time. And it's the same thing with dance. Like people tend to think of it as just, oh, that's that. And this is this. No, they're very interrelated because your footwork, how quickly you can move your feet laterally, change, you know, people don't realize like agility literally is defined by quickness of direction, directional change, right? Yeah. So enhancing those skills, building them requires exactly like in gymnastics. We set up these obstacle courses for kids too. And we time them and we say, okay, so beat your score now, right? Like every time try and improve around this obstacle course. And uh, it's amazing how, like as much as you can improve them, it, it, if you take 50 kids and you start doing some of these things like, okay, say sprint from a lying down, face down position, get up and sprint across the, the length of the mat. I, I'll almost guarantee you, the, 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 the best two or three, the first time you do it, will be the same two or three a, a month from now, two months from now. So that's proof that there is there's some genetics related, but it's also how they're listening. It's how they learn. It's how there's certain things you can do to improve it. 
But the one thing I really like about wrestling is that no matter how much of a freakish athlete you are, if you stop working hard, uh, the people who are working hard are going to beat you. <laughs> and that's, that is just, it is like uh, an axiom in, in combative sport generally, but I think in wrestling very specifically because it's so competitive, right? Um, what's your what's your oldest athlete or athlete oldest person come to your gym? Like you have anybody in your oh, no, we, we have people in their in their forties who still oh, yeah. wrestle. Okay. Well, sometimes they're insane. Like I, I I'll ask them why. <laughs> well, because, said, you know, honestly, at that point, it's one of those earlier. Things, yeah, you said earlier. Yeah, like that's one of those things that yeah. I think I think if you're you know, BJJ is good for those guys. You can do that into your eighties. It's it's great sport. Yeah. Uh, we see a lot of transition between wrestling and BJJ. It's very complementary. But uh, yeah, I always wondered with the guys who are still, you know, a, a friend of mine at home won World Seniors at like I think he was no world no world team uh, World Masters. Oh yeah. And I think he was in like Turkey that year. So and, and this guy, man, I I was like, you know, how old that guy is. Like I, I think he, they, he yeah, I'm surprised he didn't walk out to the mat with a walker. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a little bit neurotic to still wrestle. It's you know, it, if only because there's a lot of dynamic motion, right? Yeah. Like it's. You know, whereas BJJ, you're getting a good workout and you're still moving around. Like I, I think it's more wise for people of our vintage to, to be yeah. looking towards BJJ. Right? Hey, uh, Jay, do you want to uh, go into the next session? It's just about the end of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll just cut off here. We'll continue. Okay. I got a couple. Got a question sure. about the uh, next question. So I'll just say back in five minutes.